This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. NASCAR Grassroots Racing is full throttle every week on Flow Racing, where you can stream over 1,300 events live and on demand and access exclusive coverage. Subscribe to Flow today to see NASCAR legends, past, present, and future, go head-to-head with hometown heroes at tracks like Bowman Gray, Meridian, South Boston, and more. Find your next favorite driver by going to flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. That's flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live Wide Open. Off the end of the back straightaway. Larson's going to send it. Larson's in the wall. Larson's on Hamlin's back bumper. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keslowski's in line. Now he turns him. Boot team Penske cars crash. Keslowski is up in a ball of flame. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Now, here's your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you. We appreciate the download. We appreciate you checking us out in what has been a very busy week here in the world of NASCAR. We of course, ran in New Hampshire over the weekend. Christopher Bell became the 14th different winner of the season. Got his first win of the year. 
We've also had the announcement this week that NASCAR is going street course racing on the street course in Chicago in 2023. And Road America will not be a part of that process. It's gotten a lot of conversation amongst a lot of the fandom out there with this brand new concept, similar to what we have with the L.A. Coliseum. We, of course, introduced that back at the beginning of the year. Gave fans a totally different experience. Now we're going to take it to a whole nother level and provide fans a totally different experience with the first ever street course race in the 70-plus year history of this sport. Can't wait for next summer. It's going to be July 1st and 2nd. There's going to be more details to follow. It's going to be a combo weekend with uh, an IMSA series yet to be determined. But the groundwork got laid in front of us with Ben Kennedy and a lot of dignitaries there right downtown Chicago. So more on that coming up. Stay tuned over the course of the next months or so as we learn how exactly that first-ever street course race weekend is going to play out. And then, of course, we are now with sights set on a trip to Pocono Raceway for a triple-header weekend this weekend. Going to be the Cup Series on Sunday, double-header on Saturday with the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series and the Arca Menard Series. We'll get us started on Friday. By the way, all those race broadcasts you'll be able to hear on Motor Racing Network this weekend. We'll give you the broadcast schedule when we get to the end of today's show. Considering that it is a landmark race for our next guest. We figured it would be fitting to have him on. Todd Bodine is going to be in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race at Pocono on Saturday. And with that start, it will be his 800th start. He has 241 in the Cup Series, 333 in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and Saturday's truck start will be Todd's 226th in the series, bringing him to a grand total of 800 and Todd joins us on the hotline right now Todd welcome into NASCAR live wide open so glad to have you on what's about to be a very monumental weekend for you yeah thanks for having me uh yeah it's uh it's hard to imagine you know 800 races you know when I when I started this journey uh, as a young kid in Chemung New York I didn't really know where it was going to take me you know I knew I wanted to being racing my brothers were in racing and it's what the family did owned the racetrack and i knew i'd be here somewhere but to be here and uh have the the career that i've had and to say that i've had 800 starts uh uh, very blessed very fortunate you know there's there's not a lot of people in this world that get to do for a living what they love to do and i've been very fortunate to be able to do that and say that and yeah, it's uh, 800, man. That's a lot of circles. <laughs> that is a lot of circles. We're we're obviously going to see how it ends, but you teased how it began back in Chemung, New York, uh, back at your parents' place with your brothers. What was the first opportunity that set these wheels in motion? What was the first opportunity that you had? Well, you know, growing up at the racetrack, um, it was really no big deal. You know, to go to the races every Saturday night. Um, didn't really watch the races. You know, me and my buddies, buddies would be running around playing, goofing off, and raiding the candy stand and the concession stands and getting everything I wanted for free, you know, and didn't really pay attention. And Brett had started racing street socks, and he was he had his car out in the garage beside the house, and him and his buddies would be out there every night working on it, and I'd I kind of hang out there and just want to be with the big guys, the big kids, you know. And uh, one week he 
he asked me if I wanted to go to the race with him. He was going to go to a new track, Perry, New York, for the first time he was going there. He asked me if I wanted to go. I said, yeah, I'll go. What the heck? Why not? Got nothing else to do. So, of course, I was, I was 11 years old. Wasn't old enough to get in the pit area, so they had to sneak me in. And he went out that night and won the race. And now we, we all go out on the racetrack and we got the checkered flag and the, the trophy and the trophy girls and the crowd's going crazy and cheering. And I'm like, man, this is pretty cool right here. Now I understand why these guys work so hard on this race car, why they're out there every night. This is really cool to be able to do this. And from that moment on, it was a different world for me. Uh, I was a, I was about all about race cars and going to the races and watching the races and uh, helping Brett, you know, and and uh, you know that's that's when it really changed. That's when the light bulb went off that this is a lot of fun right here. You know, you talked about Brett and the trophy girls and the trophy and the checkered flag and all that stuff, and I'm sure that was exciting for you. And that's the starting point. But as you got started, you won a lot of races. What is that rush like as a driver? to be the best of everybody on any given day or any given night? Wow. You know, I've never been asked that question. That's a hard hard thing to answer uh, because I think I think the first thing is there's such a, such a sense of accomplishment. You know, it, it's hard. People have no idea how hard it is to win one of these races. It doesn't, and you know what? It doesn't really have to be one of the top three series in NASCAR. Uh, or any of the other series, the, the modifieds or late model stock cars. I mean, it can be a race at your your local dirt track or uh, four cylinder class at a short track. If you can win the race, you have accomplished something. You have beaten your competitors. You are the best on that given night, and you know it's it's a feeling like you can't get anywhere else. So, you know, you, you understand when you when you get it. Uh, at least I tried to understand when it happened that, you know, hey, this could be the last time this happens. I'm going to enjoy it. And then you get to the point where it's happening more and more and more, and you kind of lose that sense of this could be the last one. And when I did win my last race at Dover Downs in 2012 uh, with Red Horse Racing, you know, I, I realized at that point that this could be the last one because my career was winding down and I knew that the opportunities were going to be fewer and fewer. So we, we enjoyed that race and we enjoyed the, the win. And, you know, we ended up quitting in the middle of 13. And, you know, here we are now to finish it out with six more. What is it like when a driver comes to that crossroads and says, you know what? The driving days ahead of me are fewer than they are greater, and we need to think of an exit strategy. What is that like, and what is, what's the quiet time in a driver's head like when you're having that conversation with yourself? Well, honestly, um, it, it really doesn't happen that way. Very few drivers have been fortunate enough to say, okay, I'm going to quit at this point. I've got... Uh, one more season or two more seasons left and, and I'm I'm going to retire and I'm going to say that that is it. Most of the time it comes down to opportunity. 
and you get to the end of the season and your car owner decides he doesn't want you to drive for him anymore and you weren't ready for that you didn't line up another job you know you don't don't have the sponsorship to bring to another team and there you are you're standing there with no job no ride no sponsor and all of a sudden you're done you didn't plan on it you didn't think it was going to happen and more often than not that's how it goes down and when i was all done in the middle of 13 you know i was i was driving for thor sport and duke and ronda were basically funding my truck out of their pocket we weren't running good we weren't finishing good and it was like you know duke i really appreciate it but this is just not what i want to be doing i've I've won races and I know what that feels like and this is no fun. So I quit racing and didn't know that that was going to be the end. Had no idea that that was going to be the end. Now after that I did I did a few one-offs. I ran a few races with Bobby Dodder and Xfinity and a couple starting parks for guys to help them out and things like that. But as a full-time paying job, that was the end. And... I was like those other guys standing there like, okay, now what do I do, right? And I was so blessed that two weeks later, Michael Waltrip was going to Goodwood to race over in England, and Fox needed somebody to to step into the booth in Iowa and, and fill in for Michael. And they called me, and I said, heck yeah, I would love to do it. Went to Iowa in the booth, first time doing it. And I've been working for Fox ever since. So I was one of the lucky ones. I came out of driving competitive, the sport that I love, and ended and went right into another uh, professional uh, job. And that was broadcasting the sport that I love. So I am so blessed to be able to work for Fox and FS1 doing what I do. And I love doing it. And, uh, you know, I, I went from being that guy, not knowing what he's going to do, to two weeks later, ended up in a whole new career. You mentioned that career came from when Mikey went overseas. Did you always want to do TV? Was that always on the plan? <laughs> well, I would say I wanted to do it. Uh, I had done a little bit of it just like for fun like what they're doing now with all the drivers coming in and and just one off here and there and and, you know i've done i've done some stuff like that i did a little bit of radio with prn i actually did some with you guys in mrn and i knew it was fun and i enjoyed doing it did i think that i was going to have a career doing it absolutely not uh because you never know what's going to happen in that in that industry as we all know it's you know, it's a come and goers and guys get let go and guys get hired. And you just never know. So to be able to do that, just very fortunate. Well, you've done and I'm good... actually, I'm enjoying it. This, this is a lot of fun. And, and to have uh, uh, the, the race day show with our pre-race show for the trucks with Caitlin Vinci and, and Trevor right now, uh, we're just having a ball. And it's, it's a great show to be a part of and uh, very blessed to be there. You've maximized, obviously, your driving career. You've maximized your broadcasting career. And it's fun seeing you on TV because I 
I caught a lot of your Bush Series races way back in the day in the early 90s, mid-90s, and the like. And to see what you've done there, what you've done in the Truck Series, what you're doing on TV, it's been it's been fun to follow along. I'll, I'll ask you from the truck days, you get lumped in with Hornaday and with Sprague and with Skinner and some some veteran drivers from that series. Which one of those drivers or other drivers were just an absolute tough customer to race against that you know when you were getting ready to go knocking on the door, you had your hands full? <laughs> those three that you mentioned right there, they're, they're all, they were all tough son of a guns, boy, I tell you. And, and the funny part about it, okay, and this is one thing that we kind of lack a little bit today. And, and it is, it's a, just a different mentality. It's a different time, different people, younger guys. But when we were all racing together and racing hard, I mean, rubbing fenders and bumping each other and, you know, putting on a show every single week, we'd get done with the race and we'd go have a beer with each other. We, we were all friends. We all hung out. We all had our motorhomes. We went to the tracks and hung out. It, you know, we, we, we were tough competitors on a track, but when it was time to have fun, we knew how to have fun. And I think a lot of that was because of our age, because we were on the backsides of our career. We'd already gone through all the uh, serious professionalism that you have to have in the, the Cup Series. And when we got into the Truck Series, it was about having fun. It was about enjoying what we did. And, and let me tell you, we had a lot of fun. What do you think is missing? Because the Truck Series reputation is an aggressive reputation. Well, you guys had that. You just described that. But now it seems like it's aggressive plus something else to where it almost gets personal. Where What is the difference between the aggressiveness we see now and the aggressiveness that you just described? Well, I, I really think it's, it's an age thing and it's a, a maturity thing. Uh, when we were racing uh, with the Skinners and Hornaday and Sprague and Musgrave and you know David Starr was racing with us back then. All these, we went through our growing pains. We were on the backside of our career. We already had you know 500 races apiece. We'd had laps and thousands of laps. So when we raced hard, it was about racing. Okay, we had nothing to prove to anybody. Today, when these kids come into the truck series, they've got a lot to prove. They all want to move up. They all want to come up the ladder. They're just getting their career started. And I think that a lot of the roughness that we see comes from all of that, the lack of experience. But it also comes from being young and not understanding this is not how you're supposed to race. And we have a serious issue right now in the truck series with, with these guys just knocking each other out of the way. You know, I've, I've watched it for the past five or six years getting worse and, and talked about it on TV. Now, being behind the wheel and actually experiencing it, it's crazy how these kids race. I mean, they just, they'll run through you as they will pass you. And that's, that's not racing, that's wrecking. So we've got a serious issue with this, but I think it's because of their immaturity, because of their age, because of their lack of experience and lack of years of being in the sport. So I, I don't know what we can do to fix it. Well, I was going to ask you how we get our arms o o around this, but it seems like that it, it's just going to have to play itself out. 
Well, I, I don't think you can let it play itself out because these kids don't learn. I really believe that NASCAR is going to have to crack down. The, the boys have added attitude. It's just not working. It's okay for Cup because there again, those guys have the experience. They have the seat time. They have the knowledge. They have the, the maturity to just not flat-out wreck people. Yeah, it's going to happen. You're always going to have that. But as a being an issue, being a problem, they don't have that. So it's okay to have that boys have added attitude in the Cup Series. A little bit in Xfinity, not quite as bad as trucks, not quite as good as this Cup. But the trucks, these kids just don't care. And I think NASCAR is going to have to start handing out penalties and and doing handing those penalties out during the event, during the race. They're going to have to make those hard calls and sit somebody in the pit, pit area or pit road for two or three laps and make them understand, guys, we are not going to put up with this crap anymore. We can't. And I'll I tell you what's the bad thing, Mike, is these kids don't realize how much this costs, okay? To put one side, just say you, you, you run somebody up the track and they get in the wall and they, they knock the whole side off their truck. It's all dented up. They keep racing, but it's all dented up, scraped up. The next week, they have to replace that side. To put a side on a truck right now is about $10,000. These owners can't afford to do that. And unfortunately, these young drivers don't understand that that's what they're doing. It's not just affecting the outcome at that moment. It's affecting what they can do down the road because of the finances. So. It's a big issue. We've got to get our arms around it and figure it out. I think it's just a matter of handing down penalties as we go. Those are the thoughts of a series champion in Todd Bodine, who will make his final start in the series, bringing total the number of starts to 800 in his NASCAR career. Before we let you go, by the way, great points on that, and there is a lot of work to do in that truck series. Before we let you go, I want you to give us some names. I want you to give us some some shout-outs of the people that helped you along the way. And I know that we could probably go on for about another two hours as far as that's concerned, but but who's helped you over the years that stand out to give you opportunities, to give you rights, to mentor you, to help you get to the point that you are today? Well, you're right, Mike. There's so many people. I think, uh, you know, first of all, uh, when I started working at Highline Racing, which at the time was Bobby Hillen was the driver, uh, Ted Condor and Felix Savatis were co-owners with Bobby. Um, you know, they gave me the opportunity to build a sportsman car in the shop, and we raced it at Charlotte and raced it four times and finished second three times. And then uh, Kyle Petty came to drive the car, and the sponsor at the time, Ames, wanted to run some more races, and Kyle didn't really want to run any more races. And Kyle said, "Just put Todd in the car." So. We ran eight races that year, and that was that was my big break right there because that we did really well. Uh, you know, the second race I ran was at Dover, which I'd never been on Dover. We qualified fourth and we finished third, and finished third behind Harry Gant and Rick Mass. You know, so that was pretty impressive to do that. Well, that race got the attention of Frank Cece, who had a car at the time Jack Sprague was driving. And that winter, uh, Frank took on a partner, Scott Welliver, 
and Frank and Scott came to, to North Carolina and hired me to drive full-time in the Bush Series, and that was my first full-time ride. And with Frank and Scott and Clyde McLeod as the crew chief, uh, we, we went out and we were good right out of the box. We, we won Dover their first year, and the next year we had Hungry, or at the end of the first year we got Hungry Jack as a sponsor. We ran three years together, and we won, I think, seven races in three years. Um, and that's what got me my opportunity in the Cup Series. So I think those, those guys really got me going. And then fast forward to the Truck Series. You know, here I am. I'm racing Cup Series with Travis Carter, and we're doing really well. And, and three weeks before the season's over, the sponsor says, hey, we're not sponsoring you next year. So now here we are. We got no sponsor. I've got no job. Travis can't race because he doesn't have the money to race. There I am standing there without a job. And I started 04 uh, doing start and park races just to pay bills and, and not have to go into the savings. And halfway through the season, Mike Hillman Sr. called and said, hey, in which I've, I've been from friends with Mike for a long time, close friends. And he said, hey, look, I got these three guys, these three brothers. They're going to start a truck team. It's going to be a Toyota team. I want you to come drive it. And so I went, the, the Jermaine brothers came to North Carolina, met with them. They hired me, and the rest is history in the truck series. We went on and uh, eight full seasons together. We won 22 races and two championships. And, you know, that's truly what made my legacy in this sport was the truck series. You know, I'd, I'd done well in the Bush series, and I did okay in the Cup series. We had some good runs, but I was never a superstar. And it wasn't until the truck series and, and the Germains and Mike Hillman and, of course, Mike Jr. was my crew chief for most of those uh, wins. And he also was the best man at my wedding. You know, so that was, that became my family, the Germains and the Hillmans. And, um, you know, they, they're responsible for me being who I am and having most of these opportunities I've gotten and being on TV because of the championships and wins. So uh, the Germains and the Hillmans are probably the, the most important people that I've ever had in my in my life in the racing. And uh, it's kind of cool. The, the whole Hillman family is coming up to Pocono. Uh, of course, Junior's crew chief for Haley Deegan, Mark uh, crew chief for uh, Chase Purdy, I think it is, uh, and then their, their sister, Melanie, is bringing her whole family up just to be at the racetrack with us. Uh, Sandy, Mike Sr.'s wife, she's coming up. I mean, everybody's going to be there. It's important to me. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we've got uh, 100 grandstand tickets we're giving to our friends. we got about 50 people that are going to be in the garage area with us. NASCAR has been more than welcoming and accommodating and helpful in that bringing people to the races so saturday is going to be a a fun day and then after the race is over we're we're going to of course my wife is from this area so we have a lot of friends here uh we have a uh two girls that that have a local bar in town and we're having a retirement party they have a big uh big concert or uh, convention area or place where they have a lot of people uh and we're having a retirement party, and we got about 120 coming to the retirement party. So, 
it's going to be fun, and it's you know, it's going to be pretty bittersweet. I'll tell you, I, I know when I climb out of that truck after that race is over, it's going to be one of the hardest things I've ever done. I to 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 stand there and say this is it, this is I'm, I'm all done. I I it it chokes me up now thinking about it. It's, it's going to be very difficult. But the thing is, Mike, I'm not done racing. I'm just done racing professionally in NASCAR. I still want to do things to go go play on some road courses and some club racing and maybe even race some Trans Am series if I can put the deal together. And Heck, I really want to own a truck team eventually. So uh, I'm still going to be around. I'm still going to be on TV. You're just not going to see me behind the wheel. It never leaves your system, does it? It will always, always come calling on it. It, it does. It is. It's, uh, you know, you, you got to remember that, you know, most racers are this way, and I think I'm probably the extreme. I have spent, and this is no exaggeration, I have spent every single weekend of my life at a racetrack. So that is my home. That is where I am most comfortable, whether it's behind the wheel or sitting on the pit box. Or changing tires on pit road. That's what I've always done. So for me, that's where I need to be. You know, when I first stopped driving, you know, you talk to other drivers that have retired, and you kind of go through three phases of it. Uh, you first you quit, and you're like, oh, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to go to the racetrack this week. I can stay home, relax, enjoy it. Well, you go through about six weeks of that, and you're like, you know, this really sucks. I, I, I got to get back at the racetrack. And you start jonesing for the racetrack again. You go you go through that for a couple months. And you get down to the, two months later and you're like, okay, this is what it is. This is what I'm going to be. This is what I'm, it's going to be like. And you kind of resign yourself into that fact. And I went through those phases. And, and fortunately for me, I had TV to take my mind off of it and, and enjoy what I was doing there. And you know this 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 is it now. You know I, I I've made the statement that this is it, and I've, everybody's having fun with it, and it's exciting, and everybody knows that you know Saturday is number eight hundred, and that's going to be the end. Well, you've given us a lot of memories, Todd, and uh, as a race broadcaster, you've given me a lot of moments to announce, and I remember a lot of your moments. But you've given the fans a lot of moments to remember as well. And we're going to be celebrating with you as you celebrate your 800th start Saturday at Pocono on behalf of all of us here at MRN. Thank you for not only what you've done for us as a network and our radio broadcast, but what you've done for the sport of NASCAR, whether it be in the trucks, the Xfinity, or the Bush slash Nationwide slash Xfinity Series, Bush Series, and all that. Um, You've been quite an asset. The Bodine name goes a long way in this sport, and we appreciate you, your family, and everything that you've done for us and the sport over, uh, over well, several decades now. We will miss you on the track, but we still have you on TV, so we'll look forward to that as well. Well, thank you for that. That's very kind. Uh, it's been a great career uh, for myself and my brothers and my family, and uh, we've been part of the sport our whole lives and something we love, and uh, we're, we're not going away, but we'll definitely uh, we'll still be around. After your retirement party, how about I meet you and Janet at Boscov's? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's my favorite store here in Pennsylvania. 
I used to take Janet's mom there. That was our one of our afternoons out. We go have lunch and go to Boscow's, and uh, yeah, I love that place. I love that place too. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, all the best to you this weekend. Create one more memory for us before you hang up the driving suit. Absolutely, that's the idea. Get it back to Victory Lane one more time. Thank you, Todd. Todd Bodine making career start 800 this weekend. The Onion hoping to bring tears to the eyes of his competitor one more time. Let's shift gears here. Let's check the odds. Brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Please bet responsibly. Producer Trey is here. Trey, what do you have for us on Sunday's Cup Race at Pocono? Well, Mike, this weekend, once again, the Hendrick Motorsports contingent is back in the favorite column. Chase Elliott, who has become the overwhelming favorite to win the championship in most sports books, having uh, twice as better odds as any other driver at plus 350. He's plus 700 and the favorite to win at the Tricky Triangle this weekend. But he's got three drivers right behind him. Two Joe Gibbs Racing drivers, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch at plus 800. And his teammate, Kyle Larson, also at plus 800. My pick for the weekend is going to be Kyle Busch at plus 800. He won the second race of the doubleheader at Pocono last year, and it's the M&M's Fan Appreciation 400. They've got a ton of cool stuff going on this weekend with former drivers of the M&M's car. And Kyle, we know the the issues he has going on right now with Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, another story just broke about them being in a really bad spot and having a lot of work to do to get Kyle signed for next year in Joe Gibbs Racing. I think even though he doesn't seem it sometimes in the media, I think Kyle kind of thrives on the chaos a little bit, and I expect a big performance from the 18 team this weekend and him to go to victory lane. Hard to believe that if it weren't for Tyler Reddick and Chase Briscoe's battle, I guess, and their spin out at the Bristol Dirt Race, Kyle Busch would still be one of those drivers we're talking about being winless and being in danger of missing the playoffs this year, like we are with uh, Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr., both in the top five in points. Some long shots this weekend, a couple worth looking at. Bubba Wallace, he finished in the top five at Pocono last year and is coming off his best finish in a long time. Some people are calling it the best race of his career, that third place finish at New Hampshire. He's plus 2,800. Austin Sendrick, he won uh, at Pocono in 2021 in the Xfinity Series. He is plus 5,000, so definitely good odds on Cendric. And Brad Keselowski, also coming off of uh, a great run at New Hampshire, his best finish as a driver owner. He finished seventh, plus 6,600 are his odds to win. I don't necessarily think Keselowski's going to shock the world and win, but if you can find a prop on Brad Keselowski in the top 10 or the top five, I think that's worth looking at. So again, some good long shots to look out for, but I think Kyle Busch, wins the namesake race for his sponsor. Wow. Going out on a limb there with contract renegotiation talks that seem to be having its challenges. Old Trey thinking that Kyle Busch could thrive this weekend. Indeed, it is the M&M's Fan Appreciation 400. Of course, our coverage will begin Friday with the General Tire Delivers 200. Motor Racing Network airtime, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. We've got triple header coverage for you on Saturday. It'll kick off. With the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, CRC Brake Lane 150, 1130 a.m. Eastern. Practice and qualifying coverage for the Cup Cars at 230 Eastern. The NASCAR Xfinity Series, explore the Pocono Mountains 225, 430 p.m. Eastern time. Then we're back on Sunday. As Trey mentioned, the M&M's Fan Appreciation 400 NASCAR Live Race Day on the air at 2 p.m. 
Eastern time. Can't wait to get to the Poconos this weekend. Hope to bump into a lot of you there. If not, you can count on us here on the Motor Racing Network to bring you flag-to-flag coverage from the Poconos. Folks, that's all we have for you this week. We will reconvene next week where we'll get you set up for our run into Indianapolis and a return to Lucas Oil Raceway Park. For producer Trey and the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for the download. We'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live Wide Open. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. Do you have an unused car, truck, motorcycle, boat, or RV taking up space? Put it to good use by donating it to the NASCAR Foundation. Proceeds help fund medical resources for children in our racing community. Your wheels can heal. Call 844-NASCAR-9 and we'll come tow away your vehicle for free. The process is quick and your gift is tax deductible. Call 844-NASCAR-9 to donate your vehicle to the NASCAR Foundation today. Your donation will help our children survive and thrive. 